Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Sports Mole's Football Shorts. I'm Barney Corkill. I'm here with our football editor, Matt Law, and we're here to talk about Game Week 23 of the Premier League season and our predictions for it. Uh, we'll get straight into it with Aston Villa versus Arsenal, Matt. Uh, both coming into this match on the back of disappointing results in midweek. Aston Villa, a home defeat uh, against West Ham um, and Arsenal get losing away to Wolves, having two men sent off in that game as well. Really disappointing that uh, result for them. That is, how do you see this one going? Yeah, it's a very interesting game, isn't it? The Arsenal game. I mean, to be fair to Arsenal, they started excellently, didn't they? I think Saka hit the post early on, didn't they? Managed to take the league through Pepe. And at that stage, could only really see one result. You know, Arsenal going on and winning the game. The Wolves were not very good at all in the first half hour or so. But as you know, you know, games can change on on moments. And obviously, the, the, the David Luiz red card. And I mean... <laughs> It's, the, the, everyone was a bit confused when they at the time the double jeopardy rule about you know you're better mm. off hacking at the ball and trying to win the ball because at least maybe then you'd get a yellow card rather than getting sent off and obviously sent off then it's a penalty then they score at that stage and it's always going to be difficult in the, in the second half and Wolves go and get the other goal and from being in a position where they're incredibly comfortable you know Arsenal end up finishing the game with nine men another quite a strange decision you know you see goalkeepers come out quite a lot don't you but Leno but He's gone with his hand and there was no real complaints. He looks like Renarsson might be in goal for this game, doesn't it? Obviously, they signed... Um, um, they made the goal Matt from Ryan, Matt Ryan, yeah. wasn't it, from Brighton. Yeah. Um, his fitness is... I'm not sure whether he will be available for this game, so it might be Renarsson. And they're not really sure on him. You can tell they're not sure on Renarsson, whether he's going to be good enough. But yeah, Villa on the other he hand... Wasn't again wasn't in Europa League squad, was he? So, yeah, they've obviously... Exactly, yeah. Yeah, well, I think he's probably been gone down to number three, isn't he now in the in the mm. pecking order behind obviously uh, Ryan. But yeah, yeah, Villa are surprised at the Villa game as well. West Ham, I thought obviously a lot of talk around you know Jesse Lingard getting a double for West Ham, but I thought Villa were not very good at all. You know, Ollie Watkins on the score sheet made it two one. You fancy they might you know push light on for something, but not very good from Villa. You know, they're I mean. Their form, they won two of their last four in the Premier League. I think they've lost five of their last seven in all competitions. Which think about it like that. Not not very good for a side that, you know, I mean, they're still having a fantastic season. They're up in ninth, you know, in and around, you know, only a point behind top of the game in hand. And like I said, if they could finish the top 10 this season, Villa, I think they'd have a great season. You know, Arsenal, obviously, uh, a point behind Villa in 10th, but, but uh, played two games more. So, yeah, it's a really big game. Um, an interesting one, obviously, players missing for, for Arsenal. Uh, again, obviously, suspensions and injuries and Villa are looking OK. I just think it'd be a tight game. Almost went Villa, but Villa's home form... Can be a little bit dodgy, can't they? And recent form's not been great. And Arsenal have improved. There's no doubt about that. So I've just gone one-one here. Well, yeah, I've actually gone for Arsenal. This is one I went back and forth on. I think Villa's just form at the moment is very patchy. They've got those wins over Newcastle and Southampton recently. But as you mentioned, if you go a bit further back, even into um, to the start of the year, their their overall form, and obviously they they have had problems with coronavirus and things like that. Um, but even since coming back from that after that long stoppage, they're, they're not really finding the level of consistency they had before. Um, and they are capable of losing those games, as we saw against West Ham um, 3-1. You, you just look at the league table to see how these two teams' seasons have gone so far. Aston Villa will be a lot happier with how their season has gone so far than Arsenal will be with how theirs has gone. As you mentioned, Arsenal behind Aston Villa in the table, having played two games more. They never would have expected that at the start of the season. So, it does need to be kept in context, these these sorts of struggles Villa are going through at the moment. Uh, but the form both teams are in at the moment, I think uh, Arsenal certainly um, in much better form. Obviously, the Wolves' defeat was a bit of a blip, but um, you've got to take into account the fact that they went down to nine men in that game. And as you say, were much the better team before David Luiz got sent off. Um, personally, I think that... I can't believe that really hasn't got overturned and I couldn't really believe it was a red card in the first place. I think it should have been a penalty, even though it was a little harsh on David Luiz. He didn't, I think he didn't mean to clip him, but he did clip him, um, accidental or not. He did clip him and prevent him a goal-scoring chance. Um, so whether it was an accident or not, I think it was a penalty. But to be sent off for that, when, as you say, he could have actually tried to hack him down um, and made it look like he was going for the ball and he wouldn't have been sent off. There's obviously a bit of discrepancy in the rule there. And I know why that rule has been brought into play, but that's the sort of scenario where just common sense needs to be used. And I don't feel common sense is being used in football at the moment. Now VAR's come in, it's just got rid of all common sense. Um, and I think that was just another example of it. There was a lot of examples of it in midweek and that was one of them. Um, but I think obviously those red cards did contribute hugely to that defeat. Um, Arsenal won't be expecting to be in a similar situation against Aston Villa. So for that reason, I think I'm just backing them to win this one 2-1. Um, it should be a close game though. 
Uh, on Saturday at 3pm, we've got Burnley versus Brighton. Uh, this is a game towards the bottom of the table, but Brighton in superb form now at the, um, at the moment. Four wins from their last five games across all competitions. The last two Premier League games have beaten Tottenham and Liverpool, both 1-0 apiece. Uh, kept four clean sheets in the top flight in a row for the first time in their history, I think it is. Um, so they're absolutely flying at the moment and they've moved, what is it now, 10 points clear of the relegation zone. Really, really ease their concerns and they'll, they'll be beginning to breathe a little bit easier now. Um, finally getting the rewards from playing some pretty good football, which they've done all season. Uh, Burnley, by contrast, have lost, lost their last two, 2-0 two against Chelsea and Manchester City, but difficult games, those two, after a, a recent resurgence. Obviously, Burnley recently beat Liverpool at Anfield, just as Brighton did. So, how do you see this one going? Yes, again, you know, another interesting game. I think, you know, Burnley, uh, I think, you know, obviously the, the, the defeat against City last time out was disappointing, but, you know, the amount of mm. players that they had, you know, Burnley are not a team that can lose you know, three or four of their better players and, you know, really put in the same level of performance. You know, you look at the players that were out of that game, you know, Chris Wood, Brady, even Brownhill in midfield, I think he's had a really good season. Obviously, Ashley Barnes as well. Taylor's played well at left-back. So, they're five, you know, really important players for Burnley and, and the players that are coming in are just not as... Obviously, I've got the same quality in it. And to lose at home to City, you know, it's no, you know, shame because City are absolutely flying at the moment. I think Burnley have... Obviously, there's still a gap, isn't there? They're 17th now, um, eight points above the bottom bottom three. Who are the bottom three are slightly maybe getting a little bit cut drift now. Fulham mm. are struggling to win. But yeah, as you say, Brighton have really completely eased their you know, concerns. I still thought they were in a bit of trouble a little while ago. They were struggling to pick up results. But the win over Tottenham was obviously very impressive. And then you know, the win over Liverpool was was nice to see. Obviously, not from your point of view, but it was nice for you know non-Liverpool fans and obviously Brighton fans as well. And well, they were good value to be honest in in that game, Brighton. I thought they, you know, Dan Byrne was, you know, uh, instrumental in in what they were doing. Obviously, it was a scrappy goal, if you like, um, in the box. Alzate getting the goal, but now I said it for a while now. You look at Brighton's team; it's, it's, it is a team full of quality. And I always said if team if they were to go down, you know, they'd have you know their players plucked or out of that club, you know, because the back three, White, Dunk, Webb, still all good players, you know, Bissouma in midfield has been linked with mm. you know, the biggest clubs in the world and um, obviously Milpay and Trossard, the quality, McAllister was, um, d- d- didn't play in that game, he was out and obviously Lamptey are players out at the moment, a right back who's had a great season, so I think Brighton will be absolutely fine now, I think obviously they're the run they've been on. Um, yeah, it's, it's a tight one, isn't it? A few weeks ago, I, I might have leaned towards a draw in this game, but I just think Burnley's injury situation is, is there at the moment. Looks like they're going to be missing you know, a couple more again, at least for this game. And Brighton, let's say, will be absolutely flying. You know, Graham Potter's got the luxury of potentially making a couple of changes if he does want to freshen it up after a tough, tough game at Anfield. And yeah, the pressure's just off Brighton at the moment. I think they'll be fine. I think they'll go into this full of confidence. I actually expect them to win. I think Burnley will unfortunately suffer another defeat over on 1-0 Brighton. Yeah, I've done exactly the same. I think the, the form they're in at the moment, it's difficult to back against them in a game like this. It will be interesting to see if they can keep that sort of form up and that level of performance up in the upcoming games, which perhaps they'd, they'd go into with more hope. They wouldn't have expected certainly six points on those games against Tottenham and Liverpool. So those would be almost viewed as bonus points on which three hits um, with the pressure off going into those games. Whereas games against Burnley... Um, even Aston Villa coming up and then at home to Crystal Palace and then West Brom. Um, those are sorts of games they would have been looked at beforehand um, probably a few weeks ago now and looked at them and thought, all right, those, we can get some serious points there and they'll really boost our relegation battle. Um, so it's a slightly different uh, proposition for them going into those games than it was against Tottenham Liverpool where not much was expected of them and obviously they came away with those wins. But having said that, those wins do take the pressure off these com- upcoming games. So if they can also view them as almost free hits, and certainly they would have taken confidence from the fact of beating Tottenham and Liverpool back-to-back, um, I think they'll fully believe that they can come out and, you know, there's nothing to say they can't even win those next four games, which would be an incredible run to go on. And then we know how tight the tight the table is at the moment. They could be right up towards the top half suddenly if they can do that. So the form they're in is really good. If they can keep that up, yeah, it's just only, I mean, they might already consider themselves well on the path to safety now after those two wins, but um, a few more good results will put them there. And yeah, we're both backing them to get one of those here with 1-0 victories. Um, also at 3pm on Saturday, we've got Newcastle versus Southampton. Newcastle, they beat Everton recently at Goodison Park, but then back to losing ways against Crystal Palace. Steve Bruce said he was pretty pleased with the performance in that, um, but the results still aren't really bearing fruit. Um, still towards the bottom of the form table. Um, but Southampton... 
I mean, they're a team in pretty awful form as well. Three defeats in a row. And obviously that last one was the 9-0 against Manchester United. It's four defeats in a row in the Premier League alone. Um, only scoring one goal in that time. But that 9-0 against Manchester United, um, I'm sure you'll talk about the Man United aspect of that a little bit later when we come to talk about them. But for Southampton, it was just an embarrassing collapse, really. Not much more could have gone wrong for them. But, you know, there were ways to lose. And all right, you lose a, a player on his debut in, in the first two minutes. There was no complaints whatsoever about losing him to the red card. But there were ways to lose. And they just collapsed. And some of the defending in there was just horrendous. That Almost every cross that went into the box. United had a free header and could knock it inside for a chance or a goal. Some of the, the nine goals United scored in that game were just incredibly easy. You never expect to see that really in the Premier League. And I think that will be the most disappointing thing for Ralph ha- uh, Hasenhuttle. Um, obviously, the good news to emerge from that game now is that Jan Bednarek's suspension has been overturned, so he will have him, um, which helps to ease their absentee worries a little bit because they, without him, they could have had 11 players missing for this game through injury and suspension. Still got 10, so they've obviously still been pretty badly ravaged by injuries um, and things like that. So you have to take that into account. But there is really no excuse for a 9-0 defeat. And for that to happen two seasons in a row, I think you know the, the flip side of that, in a perverse way, they know they can bounce back from this because it happened against Leicester. And when it happened against Leicester last season, they were in a much worse position, both as a club and in terms of the league table, um, than they are now. So they're building off much better foundations now, I think, to recover from such a uh, a bad defeat. Obviously, it's never, never, ever good to lose 9-0, but I think they've proved that they can come back from it. They know they've got the character and the personnel to come back from it. So they'll just have to, you know, regroup, take it on the chin, that one, and then try and return to winning ways. On paper, this is a decent game for them to, to return for winning ways. Um, another one this is, I went back and forth on, I, I think, Newcastle have certainly shown more signs in recent weeks of being able to pick up results. So it wouldn't surprise me for them. It wouldn't surprise me if they go and win this game. Southampton, they'll be demanding a reaction, but it's just so hard to back a team that has lost their last four and lost their last one 9 0. So in the end, I sat on the fence with this one and went for one all. One all, yeah. I've actually gone, I've gone goalless here. I've gone 0 0, oh, yeah. um, which obviously might be a bit of a surprise to back after a team getting beat 9 0. But yeah, I completely agree with what you're saying about there seems to be this strange thing that I've read like, just because Southampton went down to, you know, 10 men, that that explains why they got blown away. But mm. you see it, you know, hundreds of thousands of times before, you know, a team go down to 10 men and it, they can be very, very difficult to beat. And that's what Southampton could have been. Obviously, it was nine men late on, but I think, uh, was it 6-0 at the time that, that they went down to nine men? So it's not mm. like it played a... It's not like they had playing with nine men for, you know, an hour of the game. It was a very, very late period and the game was obviously gone by that time. But yeah, some of the goals that, they conceded the defending was terrible. And obviously, uh, Janowicz had got sent off. Obviously, he's taken a lot of criticism. I think you know, it's very it's harsh to dig him out because he's obviously, he's not done it on purpose because people say, uh, there's always this weird thing of like, oh, he's, he's, not, he's not done it on purpose. But obviously, he hasn't because he's not gone in to get sent off, you know, a minute into his debut um, uh, mm. appearance at Old Trafford. It's, it's obviously very unfortunate. It was a terrible challenge and he deserved to be sent off. But, you know, he needs to move on from that. The club needs to move on. But... Yeah, I say I thought it was it was a very bizarre performance from Southampton. They didn't need to say the defending was 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 horrible at times, and United didn't even really need to be amazingly good. I've seen them play better this season than United, and not win nine nil. So that says a lot. But yeah, Newcastle, the Palace game again. It was a a one that I didn't really. I think I got back to a draw in that game. I didn't expect them to get beat there. Obviously, it took the lead with a really good. Strike from Shelby early on, um, good equaliser from Palace as well, and then a, a Cahill header, which ended up winning the game. And again, it's one of those things that you know Shelby's chipped in for goal, but if Wilson doesn't score, you're looking at around the team. Who else is really going to get a goal? Fraser, mm. Almiron doesn't really score too many. Hayden, Hendrick, you're relying on you know Shelby will come up with goals occasionally, but it's, it's Wilson or or you're struggling really, and that's been the story of. Newcastle this season sit down in 16th now. Obviously, Palace, Palace three places above them, and I think there is the fact that there is a little bit of a gap now between the bottom three. That the bottom three are in danger of getting cut adrift, um, and the fact that Fulham have been really struggling to win. Obviously, West Brom, Sheffield United. The fact that Sheffield United beat West Brom is good for the teams uh, sitting above the relegation zone because it tightens them up and opens the gap up above them. So I just think both sides will be really keen not to get beat in this game. You know, I think Southampton will be really, you know, maybe a bit rigid and try and just edge out a, a narrow win. But Newcastle, you know, they, they certainly deserve respect. And I do think they, they can be difficult to beat. You know, 
pick up a point against Liverpool, didn't they, at home not that long ago. So, mm. yeah, it's just, just goalless here, nil nil. Goalless, yeah. Also, on that Southampton game, I know it didn't obviously have any impact on the scoreline, but VAR again in the spotlight for, yeah. I think that disallowed Che Adams' goal. I, I've looked uh-huh. at it hundreds of times and cannot see how that has been disallowed or how we've got to this stage where that is deemed offside. And also, obviously, there was a lot of talk over the Jan Begnerek red card, similar to the Louise one, or whether it was even a penalty. But again, VAR just, um, yeah, I'm growing to dislike it more and more each week. And that was, those were another two examples of why. Uh, also at 3pm, uh, sorry, at 5.30pm on Saturday, you mentioned Fulham briefly. They're potentially getting cut adrift at the bottom. They've got a difficult assignment in the London derby against a really informed West Ham side. Um, I think they've, they've only lost once since the turn of the year and they lost, uh, they've won five of their six games um, in the Premier League. Um, so in really good form, up to fifth, only two points off Liverpool could um, jump into the top four for at least 24 hours with a victory here. Um, are you backing them to get it? Fulham in pretty poor form again. Lost to uh, Leicester in midweek. Yeah, I've, I, I've gone West Ham here. I've gone narrow. I've gone two-one West Ham. I just think Fulham. I've maybe backed them to get stuff recently when maybe I shouldn't have done, but just because I thought they went through a period, but they were playing quite well. But recently, I think the Leicester, the Leicester result. Um, I mean, losing at home to Leicester. Leicester obviously, you know, having a great season, but I did think it was a little bit. It was just a poor performance. And the games before that, you know, drawing with West Brom and Brighton, again, I didn't think they were terrible results. But when you look at it, it's over well saying, oh, you're going to pick up a point here, there. But when it, the winless run goes on for so long and you're sitting in that position of the table, I mean, end of November, I think it was, isn't it, their last win um, in the mm. Premier League, which is an awfully long time. Uh, now Now the gap, as we say, is eight points. And, and they're not even, they've not even got a game in hand over Burnley now. Fulham had a game in hand for a while. Obviously, they have over Newcastle, who have also got 22 points. But I just think it's, they're running out of time a little bit. West Ham's performance, obviously, Jesse Lingard coming in um, on his debut and getting a couple of goals. And I do think it'll be a really good sign for West Ham. I said it, you know, David Moyes knows him well. He's obviously make, might feel like he's got a bit of a point to prove um, to people that, you know, have doubted him. He's obviously gone through some troubles in his personal life. But you know, a really good signing for West Ham, uh, who, who, you know, as we say, absolutely flying. I think another player that's been great as well, Thomas Suchek this season, yeah. eight Premier League goals from 22 games has been, you know, what a signing he has been for them, you know, didn't pay massive money for him. I think, you know, it, it, between 10 and, 10 and 15 million, something like that, between the, that they are signing for permanently and a player that's, you know, 25 years of age, I think they'll struggle to keep him because I think he's a really, really good player. And as you say, West Ham will be, I in that top four, you know, Liverpool losing was great for West Ham. And um, it's it's a really tough game. I, I did almost go a draw here. I just thought, you know, as we know, Fulham Fulham do like to draw games. I've drawn, uh, drawn eight this season, which is, you know, fairly high, um, especially for a team towards the bottom. You expect to lose more and maybe pick up a couple more ones. Only two wins all season. It's just not good enough for Fulham. West Ham, on the other hand, are, as you say, 11 Premier League wins. They've half their Premier League games for a side that... You know, mm. maybe many tips to struggle this season that have been fantastic. They're defending well, they're a threat on the counter, and they can play good football as well. So, yeah, I think it'd be a tight game, but West Ham 2 1. Yeah, West Ham have won as many games as Liverpool this season. Yeah, um, yeah, cool, I, yeah. I, yeah, I did. Um, I've gone for West Ham in this one as well. I've gone for 2 0. I did the preview for this one. There was, there was a few interesting stats to emerge, but like Fulham have only scored one goal in the last five home games. Um, as, as you say, the points against Brighton and West Brom, you look at them and they're not dreadful points. Obviously, better not to lose those games. Um, and their overall run, they're on the longest uh, winless run in the Premier League at the moment of 11 games, but seven of those uh, have been draws. So they are picking up points on a fairly regular basis. But as you say, the likes of Brighton above them are picking up points, picking up wins here and there. Um, obviously, Brighton picking up wins regularly now. Um, but Newcastle and Burnley have also picked up wins here and there. And that's what's seen the gap grow to what it is. And they are, they do start need to turning those jaws into victories. Now, if they're to close that gap, jaws won't be enough from now on. Um, and those games against the likes of Brighton and West Brom, which they drew away from home, not awful uh, results on the face of them. But, you know, those are the games they really need to start winning. Uh, West Ham is obviously a different proposition that sort of form West Ham are in at the moment. Um, but, you know, West Ham are enjoying one of their best seasons in, 30 odd years more than that it's, it's an incredible campaign they're enjoying at the moment I've just gone for for 2-0 in this one I can see them um, coming away in, with a victory and they'll, they'll really fancy their chances they're flying high I think it was big for them to respond to that Liverpool defeat when they were really disappointing with a win and a good win as well away at Aston Villa we know how dangerous Aston Villa can be um, but you know West Ham have got those 
those sorts of players who can win those games and to be facing Fulham and Sheffield United in the next two, obviously two teams in the relegation zone. I'll be expecting another six points probably from those two games. And then they're right up there still in the European battle. So confidence will grow. Obviously, their, their run after that does get a bit tougher. But in these next two games, uh, next two league games, um, they'll certainly fancy the chance of keeping the pressure on the top four. So we're both backing them to do that with away victories at Craven Cottage uh, this weekend. Uh, 8pm on Saturday, we've got Man United versus Everton. Everton returned to winning ways with a 2-1 win over Leeds. Manchester United, obviously, we mentioned that 9-0 win over Southampton. I'll let you talk about that and the performance um, and the ruthlessness, really, of Man United in that game. Um, there are two teams in very similar form. How do you see this one going? Yeah, it's a, it's a really tough game, isn't it, for United? Um, obviously, tough for Everton as well, but... Yeah, the 9 0. Um, I think the interesting thing about that, you know, when United beat Ipswich 9 0 was the one that obviously we spoke about. You know, Andy Cole got five in that game. And when you win 9 0, you always expect, you know, if you hadn't seen the score sheet, you'd, you'd think, you know, maybe Cavani has got four, maybe maybe someone's got four in that game. But the fact there were so many different goal scorers, obviously, Martial got two. But apart from that, obviously, an own goal as well. But to see lots of different players get on the score sheet, I thought it was pleasing. Um, Obviously, the fullbacks were really good. It's as good as I've seen Wambazaka going forward this season because mm. um, he's been somewhere that obviously needs to improve. Luke Shaw, for me, there's not a better left back in um, the Premier League at the moment than Luke Shaw. He's been absolutely unbelievable, and the fact he got taken off at half time just shows how how important he is. Obviously, he'll start this game. You know, the Cavani one's interesting. You know, um, actually, did I read your preview? He did the preview for this one, didn't you? Um, yeah. I didn't copy your. I, your score, maybe I have, but not for that reason. But yeah, the Cavani one's obviously interesting because you know he came off of that slight, you know, kick to the ankle uh, with the penalty incident that didn't get given. But it'd be interesting to see whether he comes back in because he's obviously so important for United at the moment. But obviously the games are coming thick and fast, aren't they? For United played West Ham in the FA Cup, which is obviously a game they'll be really, really keen to win on um, on the ninth. So it'd be interesting to see what the team selection is for that game. Um, obviously, you know they won't underestimate an Everton side that. You know, very dangerous, and I think Everton's win over Leeds was, you know, really big, especially coming in off the back of the the home defeat to Newcastle, which was, mm. you know, really, really disappointing. And to go and win at Leeds, uh, Leeds were obviously in in really good confidence. I think it was, was was obviously really good for them. Uh, Calvert Lewin getting his name on the score sheet. Sigurdsson wasn't sure about some of the defending from Leeds in that game, especially the first goal. Obviously, it was a really good cross from Luca Dean, but. I'm um, not really sure why he was free inside the box. But, you know, that puts Everton, you know, seventh at the moment. 11 points with Chelsea, two games in hand over Chelsea. Um, and obviously four points behind behind Liverpool with two games in hand. So, mm. you know, Everton are really sitting well at the moment. They've got a good opportunity to certainly... I do. I think they'll finish top six, top six, top seven this season. I don't think they've got enough to push into the top four because I think they're too inconsistent. But, yeah, similarly, team selection for this for Everton. Obviously, Jordan Pickford didn't play. Did he? Interesting to see whether he comes back into the side. Obviously, got options going forward. Uh, Josh King, a uh, player that's come to the club, obviously knows United well. United tried to sign him last January um, before they got Ogalo in. So, yeah, I said the Southampton game was dangerous. It didn't turn out to be dangerous, but this is definitely a dangerous game for United. Obviously, it was a huge win, especially after the Arsenal draw, the Sheffield United defeat. They're, they're obviously three points behind City. City got a game in hand, but but two points above Leicester, four points above Liverpool on the same game. So that's a nice cushion to have at this stage. Um, and obviously, you know, expect, obviously, Liverpool got a really tough game, as we'll speak about. Um, Leicester, Leicester got a tough game, a relatively tough game at Wolves as well this weekend. So if United were to win, it could potentially open up a little bit more of an advantage, which is what they need. But... Yeah, it's a really tough game. You know, United, Everton recently, record's pretty good. I think the last time Everton won at Old Trafford was back in 2013. So, you know, pretty good record uh, over the Toffees in terms of, you know, recent Premier League games and um, and a League Cup game uh, beating them earlier this season, 3-1 at Goodison Park as well. So, was 1-1 last season at Old Trafford though. So, it's a very, very tough game. Um, I've actually gone what you predicted, 2-1, which is what actually what I went for Southampton, but it didn't turn out to be that. But yeah, I think this would be really tight. But United, good confidence, need to win. And uh, I think they will, 2-1. Yeah, as you mentioned now, I've gone for 2-1 as well. Everton's record at Old Trafford is it's actually awful. It, I think it's yeah. that, that win in... 2013-14, which was Moyes' season in charge of yeah. United, is their only win, I think, in 27 visits to Old mm. Trafford in the Premier League since 1992. So, yeah, United usually get the better of Everton. Obviously, the majority of that time was when United were the best team in the land with um, Sir Alex Ferguson in charge, obviously. But even recently, they've kept up their dominance over Everton. 
uh, home and away, to be honest, for, for the most part. But at Old Trafford, Everton have really struggled to, to beat Manchester United. Having said that, if this game was at Goodison Park, I'd probably be even more confident of Man United win because, as we know, United big slip-ups have come at Old Trafford this season. Everton's away form has been really good um, at the moment. Four, four away wins in a row um, in the Premier League. If they win a fifth here, it'll be their best run since 1970. It's already their best run since 1985 away from home. And when you consider some of those great teams they had in the 80s, winning titles, challenging for cups um, and everything like that, that's a really big achievement if they can manage to get a fifth win in a row on the board. Um, the next away games come against Liverpool and Chelsea so it's a difficult run coming up away from home for them um, but yeah they'll, they'll be arriving at Old Trafford in really good spirits good form they'll be delighted to have bounced back from that Newcastle defeat at the first time of asking Ancelotti was pretty happy with his performance against Leeds um, so they will be coming into this game uh, full of confidence obviously they've you mentioned United's FA Cup game they've Everton have got an FA Cup game against mm. Tottenham two teams in desperate uh, really desperate to end their respective trophy jouts, those are. So that will be a pretty big game for them as well. But yeah, this this one will be big for them as well. And I, I wouldn't be too surprised to go and see them get something from this game. Maybe even a win. As I say, if it was at Goodison Park, I'd be more confident of United winning. Uh, but as you mentioned, I have predicted the United win. It's just it's pretty impossible to back against the team who's just won 9 0, even, even with the circumstances mm. that happened. And you obviously don't expect Everton to go down to 10 men in two in the second minute. You don't expect them to go down to nine men. Um, and it, yeah, as you alluded to, it's pro- and we're probably expecting a similar game to what we expected from the Southampton game in terms of how difficult it will be for United, perhaps even a little bit more difficult than we were expecting before that Southampton game. But yeah, like you, I've gone for 2-1 there. I can see United uh, winning again. On Sunday, we've got Tottenham versus West Brom. Tottenham, three defeats in a row now. Really disappointing again against Chelsea. Pressure starting to grow on Jose Mourinho. Um I mean, I knew some Tottenham fans when they were top of the league who weren't happy with the playing style and wanted Jose Mourinho out. I think that pressure's just going to carry on growing because now the playing style hasn't increased and the results have got much worse and there's not much to cheer about at Tottenham. Down in eighth place in the table now, um, three points behind Everton and Chelsea, who we've just talked about. Um, Yeah, really poor run of form for them. Having said that, they're going into a game against the West Brom side who uh, we've already mentioned Fulham getting cut adrift, West Brom cut even more adrift. Beating, uh, getting beaten by Sheffield United last time out. Just a huge match that was for both teams. Um, I think I mentioned in the build-up to that match that it's probably you know those bottom three fighting amongst themselves at the moment when they need to start closing the gap on the teams above them outside the bottom three. Um, but still, that was a huge match for both Sheffield United and West Brom. And for West Brom to go and lose that game against bottom of the table, it's just so disappointing. And now they're only one point off the bottom of the table themselves. I mean, it looks a lot more likely that they'll end up bottom of the power than they will actually escape danger at the moment. And we know Sam Allardyce has got such a great record um, of actually getting teams out of trouble, but it's just looking harder and harder to to see that happening with each passing week. They started pretty well away from home under um, under Allardyce uh, with that draw against Liverpool and then beating Wolves in the derby. But then the last two away games have been defeats to West Ham and, um, and Sheffield United, that one. And this is a difficult game, obviously. Tottenham have got got the quality to win games, even with without Kane, even considering the form they're in at the moment. Uh, they need to show more of that. I mean, the, the game, the second half against Liverpool was poor. The match, the performance against Brighton was really bad. 1-0 flattered them in that game. Um, the, and the performance against Chelsea, again, just lacked any real cutting edge and just frustrating for Tottenham fans uh, to view. So West Brom... If with the the tactics Allardyce is capable of employing a frustrating Tottenham, they'll, they might fancy their chances coming here and coming away with a point. But they start; they really need victories now. West Brom more than just draws. Even a, a draw will be a good result here, of course. But they start; they need to start picking up victories. Um, I can't see that happening here. I, I, even with Tottenham in poor form, I can see them winning this one. I think against almost anyone else in the division right now, I might not be backing um, a Tottenham win necessarily. But I think West Brom is probably just about the perfect opponent for them right now. So I'm going for 2-0 to Tottenham in this one. Yeah, I've gone 2-0 as well. I'm not surprised you've gone the same. I think they are the perfect you know, opponent. You'd rather be playing West Brom at home than Sheffield United at home right now because mm. Sheffield United you know, beat beat United and obviously won at the weekend. And yeah, I agree with what you're saying about the points. You know, you, you know they, they play the next two, you know, West Brom, they play Tottenham away, Manchester United at home. And on the face of it, you know, points in both those games would be good, but then they play Burnley, so they were to lose that, you know, lose to Brighton. And then you're suddenly... 
you know, I think the fact that the gap is, you know, is what it is right now, 10 points, you know, and, and the, that's the gap to Burnley. And you expect Burnley, once they get their players back, to have enough. I expect Newcastle to have enough. I think they've got enough quality. And I'd be very, very surprised if that bottom three, you know, didn't go down. I do, as I've said a few times, want Fulham to stay up because I do like Fulham. But they're struggling. Obviously, Sheffield United will still, you know, they've left it too late. You know, they've improved, no doubt, mm. but they've left it too late. But... Yeah, West Brom, obviously, in fairness, you know, a busy January transfer window, a January transfer window that wasn't busy, you know, overall across Europe. But obviously, Maitland-Niles, it was a really good signing from Arsenal. I think he's been promised, you know, the opportunity to play in midfield, which is why he didn't go elsewhere. I think Leicester and Southampton were linked with him, but maybe as a fullback, he wanted to play in midfield. Obviously, he wants to get in the England squad, doesn't he, for the Euros. So, it's a great signing. You know, Jokoslu as well from, from Celta Vigo. I've seen little bits and bobs of him. He's, he's a really good player. He's good on the ball. He's combative. He's got the engine, I think, to play in the Premier League. And, you know, they're going to be looking, you know, Snodgrass and the Diagno up front. They're going to be looking for contributions. I think Sam Allardyce is saying, look, we need, we need big contributions from the players because... You know, I don't think Slavin Bilic was particularly underperforming. I think he was just getting what he could out of that squad because mm. I just don't think it's a, a Premier League squad. I said it a few times that it's a Championship squad, and if they were in the Championship this season, they'd probably be around. You know, the playoffs, maybe top top two, three. I think I think it's a good Championship squad. I don't think it's a Premier League uh, squad, and I think that's just the way it is. You know, Tottenham. You know, the Chelsea game. I think you know Jose Mourinho came out after the game and he's he praised the spirit of his players and and you know tried to keep morale high which is understandable but he said they were good in the second half against Chelsea I don't necessarily agree I thought they were better than they were in the first half but that's not difficult because the first half was you know horrendous I think Chelsea obviously Chelsea have improved but they didn't need to do an awful lot to win the game obviously without Kane as we know they're you know not even half the team maybe you know quarter of the team maybe that's even being generous they're just not even Son looks frustrated at the moment doesn't he had that chance late on a little bit of a sighter went over the bar he looks a little bit frustrated and Viniscus obviously didn't really contribute. Dyer, you know, I'm not sure what he's doing with the challenge with the penalties. You know, it's a very, it's a strange one. You don't see many of them where you're actually on the floor and you make the challenge and, uh, mm. and that happens. But yeah, um, I completely agree. You know, you look at Tottenham in the table at the moment. They're they're eighth at the moment. They have got a game in hand over some of the teams behind them. But you know, a couple of poor results and they could find themselves down in tenth. And then it's difficult to to pull yourself into the top four race. And, you know, as you mentioned, I think it was November they were top, weren't they? Top of the league and nine games in, you know, really good start to the season. And you fancy that they might, you know, edge out a title challenge this season, but it just hasn't been the case. You know, Ragulon's a, a big miss. La Celso's a big miss in terms of, you know, contribution in attack. So, yeah, as you mentioned, it's the perfect game for Tottenham. Uh, and I think they'll win the same as you, 2-0. All right, both going for 2-0 no wins in that one. Also on Sunday at 2pm, we've got Wolves versus Leicester. Uh, we mentioned Leicester flying high now third in the table um, after that win over Fulham, bounced back from that disappointing home defeat against Leeds. Uh, they play a Wolves side who finally returned to winning ways in the Premier League with the 2-1 win over Arsenal. Although, as we mentioned, um, that came after Arsenal had had but certainly one man sent off and then another man sent off late on. Um, they were second best until that happened. How do you see this one going? Yes, yeah, it's, it's normally a game, you know, it's one of them we've mentioned, you know, usually you go for like a 2-2 or something in this game, but that would probably be if Wolves were, you know, playing better. Obviously, the, the win over Arsenal is, is huge for them. But as you say, came in, you know, fortuitous circumstances. They could have been out of that game at half-time for Arsenal mm. were... Could have been maybe two or three up in in the first half hour, and and then if the the, the David Luiz challenge doesn't happen, the red card penalty changes the game. Obviously, in fairness, the Wolves still got to go and win the game. You know, just because you've got a man advantage, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to go and win the game. You still have to go and win it against an Arsenal side who have improved. And yeah, Ruben Neves and Moutinho, two players that I've picked out, maybe need to offer a little bit more. They were both on the score sheet. I thought William Jose was bright. You know, I think he will. You know, contribution goals if he could maybe get. You know, five Premier League goals before the end of the season, something like that. I think that would obviously help help Wolves an awful lot. But Leicester, I think you know the uncharacteristic defeat, wasn't it? At home to Leeds, I thought they were you know really poor in that game. But then then you got to go and beat Fulham, and I actually bat Fulham to get something out of that game because I thought Fulham recently had been okay at home, but but Leicester were were good in that game. Again, it was a performance that I'd said you know professional performance from a side that expects to be in around that top four. Obviously, Ian Acho getting on the score sheet. And Justin, I think Justin this season has been fantastic mm. for, for Leicester. You know, one of the best, you know, fullbacks in the Premier League this season. Just looks like he can do a bit of everything. And he was obviously a, a really good signing for them. Looks a good player. Madison was really good in that game. Obviously, once they get Vardy back, it'll be a bigger threat. But as you mentioned, up in third at the moment. And, you know, 
Liverpool have a tough game. United could potentially drop points to get Everton, and they'll they'll expect to be in that top four now. Leicester, I don't think they'll they're sort of you know obviously pleased to be there, but not you know feeling that they don't belong there. I do think Leicester feel like they are good enough to finish in that top four, and be very interested to see us the case. But yeah, I think I've got maybe gone a little bit ambitious here in terms of the score and maybe a, maybe a little bit harsh on Wolves but I just think Leicester are really dangerous at the moment and I've actually gone 3-1 Leicester here 3-1 oh, yeah I've gone 2-1 Leicester for similar mm. reasons I think the um, the form Leicester in apart from that blip against Leeds it's just impossible to ignore and yeah you say they belong there I don't, don't think there's any doubt in any mind that um, you know they have been one of the four best teams in the Premier League this season and obviously the league table says that but not the league table can sometimes, you know, lie a little bit where a, a, a team ends up, but uh, certainly not in terms of Leicester's case. They've, they deserve to be right up there. They've performed really well consistently um, throughout much of the season. Only Man City um, have won more games. Um, whereas Wolves this season, you know, just been really disappointing. After two really good seasons, finishing seventh, um, to have gone on this recent winless run. And obviously, yeah, we've mentioned it already, that Arsenal game, would they have gone and won that if it was still 11 versus 11? Probably not. It's impossible to say, obviously, but probably not. And it may be that that victory, um, no matter how it came, is exactly what they needed to snap themselves out of the poor run of form they're in. But it's still difficult to look past that that run of form which preceded it. Um, and obviously that win stands out as and was much needed, but it comes with almost an asterisk next to it in terms of how it came against nine men in the end. So, yeah, I'm, I'm backing um, Leicester to come out on top in this one. I've gone for 2-1. Uh, we've mentioned it a couple of times in passing, but the big one this weekend is Liverpool versus Manchester City. Um, obviously, the champions versus the leaders now. Liverpool coming into it off the back of another really disappointing defeat against Brighton. That's back-to-back home defeats now after uh, 69 games without one in the Premier League. Four home games without a win for Liverpool now, which is just incredible. We never really saw that coming considering the form they were on. Um, I think they'd won 32 of 33 uh, home league games before that and now four without a win. It's just come out of nowhere, really. Um, whereas Man City's form, in contrast to that, is just incredible at the moment. I think it's, was it, 13 games in a row, one across all competitions, uh, which is a club record, 9-1 in a row um, in the Premier League. Uh Three points clear at the top of the table with a game in hand. All signs point to Man City going on and winning the title from this stage. Um, for Liverpool, um, I think this is, if they harbour any hopes of of getting back into the title race and retaining it, I think this is an absolute must-win for them. I don't think even a draw will be good enough. I think what Liverpool have been so good at in recent seasons is consistency. But this spell of form has just obviously seen that they are human. They're capable of dropping points on a regular basis. Um, again, which that hasn't really happened over the last couple of seasons. So if you're then asking Liverpool to make up a seven-point gap, probably a ten-point gap if Man City go and win their game in hand um, over the course of the rest of the season, it's just a huge ask when Man City are in such good form. Um, and Man City will, of course, drop points. So if Liverpool then do go and win this game, um, then they, I think they are still back in, in the title race and can't be counted out completely. But I do think it would need a victory. And strangely enough, the, the way the two teams play, I'm, I'm more confident Liverpool getting a win against Man City than I would be if we were playing you know, Fulham or Sheffield United in this game at the moment. Our record against the bottom six has just been dreadful this season. And again, it's come out of nowhere. It's not new that teams pack 10 players behind the ball and we um, struggle to find a way through. That's been happening for, for years now. Um, it's just suddenly we don't seem to be able to find a way through. We seem to be lost um, and short of ideas in the final third when that's happened, which obviously is a worry because it's turned in, into a trend now. Um, it's not just one or two games. It's pretty much every game we've played against the bottom six this season um, and some teams outside the bottom six. That's Recently, that's been the case where we've just looked short of ideas in the final third um, against Man City. Obviously, they're going to play their own way. There's going to be a lot more space. Um, Man City's uh, defensive record recently has been incredible. Um, but then obviously not a defensive team. They're just a team who defends really well. Um, so I think this game will suit Liverpool more than the likes of the Brighton one, but it's still impossible to back um, a Liverpool win, I think, with Man City in such good form. I've maybe let my heart rule my head a little bit, but I'm, I'm going for a draw. I can't predict Liverpool to lose this game because I think it does it does suit them. And I, you'd hope Alisson would be back. You'd hope Fabinho would be back. 
Um, maybe Henderson back in midfield if one of the new centre-back signings comes in. You'd hope Mane will be back. And suddenly, you know, obviously the defeat to Brighton was hugely disappointing and it was a really, really poor performance without any real attacking threat. But it has to be remembered, Liverpool were missing, you know, half of their first-choice team. And I think those are the sorts of games we're starting to see the likes of Van Dijk being missed because his passing range from the back, just, you know, cutting out the midfield is incredible. And obviously... When Van Dijk gets injured, you're worried about Liverpool's defensive record, but I think he offers so much more to the team in an attacking sense as well. And I think in those games, you're probably seeing it um, more than ever. Um, but obviously, huge game, really difficult game. Um, but um, these are usually entertaining, exciting games. Liverpool and Man City usually go toe-to-toe with each other and there's not much between them. So I'm going for a two-all draw in this one. 2-2, two, two. yeah. I thought you were going to say, I've gone 1-1 here. Uh, almost went City, but... Yeah, I just think, um, obviously, 1-1 early this season, wasn't it, at the Etihad? Liverpool mm. won uh, last season at Anfield 3-1. And as you say, I think a lot of... I would probably gone City if, I, if you know, Alisson was definitely out. You know, obviously, he was unwell, wasn't he? Not coronavirus-related. It was a, an illness which you expect to probably be back, as you say, Fabinho and Mane. If they come back into the, the side for Liverpool, then suddenly, you know, it's a much better side that, that, that played last time out. And... Just think the Brighton game was again a, a weird one, wasn't it? It was a, a strange game, you know. Salah, a couple of half chances. Um, Henderson at the back is obviously he, he not not saying he's poor at the back, but he's obviously so instrumental into the, what they do in, as you know well, in the middle of the park. So it's, it's very difficult to take him out of the midfield. I think Andrew Robertson came out after the game, didn't he, and said that they're no longer in the title. Well, not no longer, mm. but they're currently not in the title race uh, because of the gap. Um, it's not even just the gap. It's, it's City's form, isn't it? You know, as you say, 13 in a yeah. row. The gap is seven points with a game in hand. So City win this game. Very, very difficult, I think, for Liverpool to, 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 to catch them purely because, you know, it's been happened before. But City's form, you know, it's just, as I say, unbelievable when doing it without De Bruyne. Obviously, we're without a recognised, you know, centre forward for a lot of the time. Obviously, Gabriel Hayes is in and out, Aguero out out at the moment um, obviously team selection for City is going to be very interesting you know you fancy Sterling will play uh, will Mares get another start in the final third will it be you know, will they shuffle the pack a little bit and go Foden you fancy Foden probably will start he's been really good recently um, obviously Laporte played played left back didn't he uh, um, mm-hmm. at Burnley which is, was interesting because you know he was so good for so long and, and now he's struggling to get in the side because of you know, I think Ruben Diaz has been to City what Van Dijk was for Liverpool when, when Van Dijk first came into the into the into the side, I thought he, Diaz this season has been absolutely unbelievable, and it, yeah, it's very difficult. I think the fact if City were you know blowing teams away a lot of the time, you fancy that's going to end at some point, but they're just so professional at the moment; they don't concede goals. They're just very, very tough to beat, and uh, you know, I think you know, strangely enough, United all and Leicester will be hoping this is a draw. I think teams like that, you know, they'll be hoping that City mm-hmm. drop points, but but not hoping for a Liverpool win because Liverpool are not out of it. Liverpool win this game and get suddenly get some players back, and then they're you know, right in it again. Uh, that race for the top four, the race for the title is going to be fascinating. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping for a good game here. I think it will be will be good. Both sides will fancy they can hurt the other in the final third. But um, yeah, almost City, but, but just 1-1 in the end. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. Both sides will be fan- will want an open game because it suits them and will fancy themselves of outscoring the opposition almost because Liverpool's front three, when they're firing and when they've got space to manoeuvre, is you know still one of the best. Man City without De Bruyne and Aguero, um, not quite the same attacking threat, but still got so many world-class players um, going forward. The hope, obviously, for me as a Liverpool fan is that Liverpool have performed better in the big game so far this mm. season, generally beat Tottenham and West Ham recently. Those are two teams right, right up there um, in the top half of the table who you'd expect tougher games than maybe you know Burnley and Brighton. But as it turned out, the Burnley and Brighton games were the tougher. So that's the hope that Liverpool turn up in the big game again. But we're both going for draws in that game. Rounding off the action on Sunday is Sheffield United versus Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea still unbeaten under Thomas Tuchel, still yet to concede a goal. That win over Tottenham, because uh, courtesy of the first half penalty from Jorginho, um, saw them go uh, two wins in a row and one draw from Thomas Tuchel's three games in charge. Sheffield United, though, they're, they're coming up against a team in decent form when they come to Sheffield United. Was it uh, five wins now from the last seven games across all competitions? Beat West Brom, obviously, last time out in the Premier League. A big, big victory. Um, three wins from the last five league games. Quite the turnaround, considering they're on course to be the worst Premier League team of all time mm. not too long ago. Um, as you mentioned earlier, it probably is just a little bit too little, too late. Um, but they're certainly putting up a fight and arguably will consider themselves as likely, certainly as any of the bottom three, to survive now. 
Uh, but this is a difficult game against the Chelsea side who are looking solid, not not particularly great going forward, but looking solid at the back under Thomas Tuchel. How do you see it going? Yeah, like you say, I think, you know, it is, you know, well, they've got 16 games left, Sheffield United played 22, so still a lot of points, but it, like you say, it's, it, you're relying on going on, you know, title, win, title winning form almost to pull themselves out and it's not impossible by any means, but you know, I think the the win over West Brom last time out was obviously uh, huge for them, and and Billy Sharp's playing playing quite a lot at the moment, isn't he? Mm. He came out of a, a really smart finish, and um, you know, still, you know, look at that midfield, look at the side, you know, Norwood, you know, Lundstrom, Fleck, really good players in the middle of the park from Impadu, who's been really good recently. He was really good at Old Trafford uh, when Sheffield United went there and won. You know, Egan, Basham, they've got good players. It's just it hasn't happened for whatever reason. Though this season, the confidence wasn't there, and you know, say they'll go into this game. Feeling that they can cause Chelsea problems, but I just think Chelsea, you know, the turnaround from Lampard when you watch Chelsea, it was almost, you know, very disjointed, no real plan. Whereas it's, it is the complete opposite with Thomas Tuchel, you know, exactly what the plan is, you know, you know how they're going to play that, that those three centre backs and then the wing backs and um, the front three as well. You know, they're going to dominate the ball, you know, what sort of pattern of play they're going to play. I still think they're. Interesting to see, you know, Timo Werner needs a goal. I think Thomas Tuchel has come out and said that he really needed to find the back of the net because he's obviously, he won the penalty, didn't he, at Tottenham, but he still really needs it. You know, it looks like hudson Doy is going to get plenty of starts under Thomas Tuchel. You know, James came into the side, didn't he, at one of the wing-backs. And Marcus Alonso currently keeping Ben Chilwell out. So that's obviously a one to watch in terms of, you know, Zayic is struggling to get in the side at the moment. Kante was on the bench, wasn't he? Uh, Kovacic and Jorginho. So, it'll be interesting to see whether Kante comes back into the side for this one. You expect it'll be a back three again. You know, no real surprises there. Um, Mason Mount obviously was left out the first game, but he's worked his way back in and not surprising. And he was, you know, really good at Tottenham again. So, I just think it'll be a, you know, be a tight game. I don't think Chelsea are going to concede too many now. That they look solid at the back. That formation does help them. I think it, it protects the. Especially protects Thiago Silva as good as he is. Obviously, he's not fast, so he does can be. He got, I think, he got exposed on a few occasions during a poor run for Chelsea, where he was left, you know, to race against you know centre forwards that are obviously going to be a lot younger and a lot quicker than him. So that formation helps them, and uh, I think they'll win again one 0 here. I think Sheffield United they'll huff and puff, and I think they'll do their well. They will do their best to try and get something out, but Chelsea have improved, and uh, yeah, they're sitting up in sixth now and eyeing that top four, no doubt about that. So I think they'll win here one 0 I've gone exactly the same. I think, as we've seen so far, um, Chelsea haven't, you know, haven't been pulling up any cheese going forward. They haven't been creating chances at will in these games. But they, as you mentioned, they've looked so solid at the back. Um, and you touched on it there, the, the strength and depth they've got available to them. Lampard arguably didn't use all of that because some players, the likes of Alonso, were sort of cut, uh, cut out of the first team picture. Whereas uh, Thomas Tuchel seems to be keen to have a look at all players, give all players a chance, which, you know, the whole squad will be delighted with. Um, you know, some players yet to really get their chance under him, but I think he'll rotate quite a lot until he has a really good idea of what his first choice 11 will be. I think, as you mentioned, he knows what his first choice system is and what his preferred system will be at Chelsea, but his first choice actual 11, I think is still very much up in the air for him, um, which can often be used as a criticism obviously maybe not this early in a vein but if you're still looking at, for your first choice 11 a bit further down the line but I think in this sense it's being used well because he's using the whole squad he's giving everyone a chance he's making sure everyone knows that they've got a chance to work their way into the first team um, which will raise the levels in training and everything like that as well um, and I think as as weeks go on he'll start settling on a on a, a 11 which he plays more often than not but as you say he's got so many choices in the likes of Hakim Ziyech who and Ben Chilwell who look like some of Chelsea's better players in the first half of the season um, haven't really had much of a chance or have lost their first team places under Thomas Tuchel so they'll be battling to get back in um, competition for places is huge and that can only be good for Chelsea to continue raising their standards um, and I think as you say as soon as those attacking players start ticking because they've got lots of them and lots of good ones as well. As soon as they start ticking, coupled with this new defensive solidity, if they can keep that, that's a really nice balance and a winning formula and something certainly they'll they'll feel could help them kick on towards that top four challenge. And they're definitely back in the race now after, after this recent improvement. There's a lot of talk, obviously, that the Lampard decision was harsh. Um, the early, it still is very early, but the very early signs are that it was maybe a shrewd decision to, to bring Thomas Tuchel in when he was available. Um, Again, we'll learn we'll learn more from this game because Sheffield United pose a, a, an interesting test, which maybe Thomas Tuchel hasn't come up against in his uh, managerial career too often before. Obviously, Burnley maybe 
follow a similar pattern to that in terms of their, their playing style to Sheffield United. But it'll be an interesting test again for, for Chelsea in their new era. But yeah, we're both backing them to come out on top 1-0 in this one. On Monday night, the last uh, match of the game week is Leeds versus Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace now back-to-back wins against Wolves and Newcastle. Leeds lost to Everton last time out after beating Newcastle and Leicester before that. Another sign of the inconsistency of Leeds really to go and win away at high-flying Leicester and then lose at home to an Everton side who'd just been beaten by Newcastle. A disappointing result and they just can't get any consistency going, is it? We've mentioned it countless times on this podcast. The the consistency is the issue for them. You don't really know which lead is going to turn up, um, which is it's going to be frustrating. But you look at them in the table, eleventh in the table, as you say, first season back in the in the Premier League. It's 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 it's, pre- it's pretty good. It's okay. Ten defeats, nine wins, thirty six goals scored, thirty eight goals conceded. The, the fans, you know, are getting entertainment, even if they don't know if they're going to turn up and win turn up and lose by by quite a margin. It's just a very, very difficult um, team to call at the moment. I am backing them to get a win in this one. I think Crystal Palace, although they've won back-to-back games, they're another of those teams who are difficult to call. Um, these two teams not only separated by goal difference um, in the Premier League table at the moment, uh, but Crystal Palace are the type of team who can, you know, they look really um, devoid of ideas up front and, and, you know, don't look like scoring many goals one week and then, Eberich Eze and um, Wilfred Zaha can turn it on the next week and they look capable of, of beating anyone and scoring against anyone. So they're one of those teams who are also struggling for consistency, which makes this such a difficult game to call. Uh, but I've just gone for Leeds this one. I've gone for 2-1. Yeah, I've gone 2-1 as well. 2-1 oh, yeah. Leeds. Um, yeah, interesting. You mentioned their table. They're in, in, you know, in that pack, aren't they? You know, The league table, I think, has taken shape as I thought it would do at this stage of the season. But... You know, in that pack, you know, Leeds 11th, Palace 13th, you know, 11 on points, you know, Arsenal, Villa just above Villa, a game in two, or two games in hand on a lot of clubs. You know, you fancy if Leeds were to be almost, you know, the best of the rest in terms of, you know, where they are now, if they were finished 11th, it'd be a great season. And Palace, I mean, I said, I don't think it'd be the end of the world. I don't think they're good enough to finish in the top 10 and they're not, you know, too good to go down. So where they are right now, 12th, maybe 11th, 12th around there, if both clubs were in and around there, I think they'd be relatively happy of what they've done this season and you know you mentioned the inconsistency I mean I don't think I certainly didn't have a good week in the prediction competition last week it's just because there's so many you know it's so difficult to call isn't it this season you know more than any other I think it's just so tough to predict what's going to happen in games you know you know one that springs out for me you know Liverpool conceding seven at Villa you know nine nil there's there's a lot of weird results you know Liverpool losing home to Burnley and Brighton it's very difficult to, to predict what's going to happen but yeah I just think Leeds here you know, Rafinha was on the score sheet this season. He's a player that I think has been fantastic this season. You know, four goals, four assists in the Premier League first season. And I think Leeds, you know, Leeds fans might not be pleased to hear it, but I think they will struggle to keep him if he continues to, you know, he's only 24. And it reminds me a little bit of Nani, you know, first, obviously he went to United a little bit erratic at times, but it's got real quality. You know, the ball almost explodes off his foot and he, he looks a real good player. And I think they'll struggle Keeping, you know, Palace and Avantu, as you mentioned, was the easy Zaha. They've got some really talented players and in good form, but they're just, again, they are inconsistent. Palace, so are Leeds, but I just think Leeds at home, um, keen to bounce back. It, I mean, it's very, very tight. I wouldn't be surprised to see all three results happen, but yeah, just Leeds 2 1. Yeah, difficult one to call that, but both going for Leeds 2 1. All right, thank you, Matt. Uh, myself and Matt will be back uh, next week for our next round of predictions. Um, so please uh, tune back in for that you can find previews for all of these games and many more over on sportsmile.co.uk in the meantime you can also subscribe to this podcast on all the usual channels and on YouTube to make sure you don't miss an episode Uh, but as I say we'll be back next week for our next round of predictions so we look forward to seeing you then